Welcome to another episode of Nikki Jameson Art Talks, a podcast where we creatives talk about our creative lives, stories, and journeys. The podcast is available in Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you usually stream. I'm Nikki Jameson, and today my guest is Jason Wagner from Golden, Colorado. Jason calls himself a lifelong musician with a paintbrush, and he started painting in 2018 following a catastrophic accident and more than seven near-death experiences. Let's get started with the interview. Hi, hi. Hey. Hello, hello. Uh, hi, Jason. Yes. Hey. <laughs> so, <laughs> so my creative journey is kind of a wild story. Um, I'll try to make it as brief as possible, but it, it's certainly unique. Um, what happened was I was in a catastrophic uh, climbing accident uh, two, two to three years ago. And the last uh, two years, I had been bedridden um, and waiting for a surgery to take place. And I got really bored of cable news. I got really bored of reading. I began to meditate. I taught myself how to play chess. And I was just at this space where I just couldn't leave. My, my mind was racing. Um, I'd had upwards of about 10 near-death experiences along that journey of the, um, the accident. And so I was pretty wound up in a very different headspace, to put it lightly. And so I was laying down and I was scrolling on my phone, killing times. And I saw an ad on Instagram for a company called Art Snacks. And they are a box of the month club that gives you art supplies so that you can create little paintings and you don't even need to be an artist. It's just kind of starting out to test. How do you draw? How do you paint? And they gave you the supplies that you need to kind of be within the same color family. And so the box they gave me uh, had the colors blue, yellow, and white and a paintbrush, which is helpful. And I had no idea what to do so, or what to paint. And so I decided I was going to paint uh, the Columbine flower which is the state flower of Colorado. And it seemed like still life was the best way to go. And so I made that plan around like 10 a.m. in the morning. And by four or five o'clock, I realized I had not eaten lunch. and I was getting hungry. And my office is a shared workspace with other companies. And at night, they have uh, guest lectures come in for nonprofits to fill the space. And they usually lure you in with cheese and crackers and maybe some adult beverages. And so um, I was like, sure, I'll just stick around. And so I was waiting for the lecture to start. And I was looking at these reference photos of the Columbine flower, trying to figure out, you know, my approach. And um, as I was waiting, I was kind of, you know, starting to sketch the flower out. And then the uh, speaker came up to the podium and it turned out it was the father of the first Columbine shooting victim. And for those of you who are international and may not know, Columbine was the first mass school shooting in the United States, and it was in 1999. It was a really emotional lecture, uh, hearing a father talk about losing his daughter in that manner. And so the whole time I had goosebumps and I was just thinking to myself, you know, is it appropriate to paint this flower? Is it going to be too much of a stigma? Is it too, like, maybe hokey? Um, just a lot of self-doubt around my whole plan. And it was just very serendipitous. I didn't know what to do. So in the Q&A, I asked the father, you know, I told him I was a new painter. I was painting on, planning on painting a Columbine that evening, but had no idea what the lecture was going to be about. And I asked if it was appropriate to go home and paint it. I didn't know if it was too loaded. Um, 
And he actually said that his daughter who passed away at 17 always wanted to be an artist and that she would love nothing more than for me to do that. And the painting was very abstract. Um, and I also incorporated a lot of symbolism with the nonprofit that's associated with the Columbine um, tragedy. And I wrote this really lengthy write up and nothing much happened. It was on Instagram and I only had a couple of family and friends on the account. It was not an art account whatsoever. And I guess a week later, or maybe a little sooner, the Parkland shooting in the United States, another school shooting, um, happened. And I must have been the last person on Instagram with hashtags, school shooting, uh, school violence, etc. All the hashtags were school related. I was not, you know, really an artist at the time. And so quickly, like day by day, I was gaining hundreds and hundreds of followers to the point where curators started to contact me as well as publications. But I only painted a few things, including this flower. I didn't really have anything to show for it. And so I began painting four to five small paintings a day to kind of ramp up and almost be the person that people thought I was online. But more importantly, I was still really stressed out about the near-death experiences and really had this serendipitous feeling about this Columbine thing and Rachel wanting to be an artist. I felt like I kind of had to step up and fill, fill those shoes in some way, if that makes sense. And so, yeah, that's, that's how it all started. And then from there, I got in the habit of just painting a lot. So, Jason, talk to me about the um, near-death experiences and um, multiple near-death experiences. So, can you tell us a little bit about those? If it's not too, too traumatic to talk about them, what no, I mean, how did how what were they like, and how did they how did they impact you? Um, well, they changed my entire life. I, I say that it's the best thing that happened, and actually, the absolute worst thing that's happened to me as well. Um, the reality of what happened to me was I tore, a, detached a labrum from my hip muscle. But uh, the way the body reacts is that um, the glutes, the pelvic floor, and the psoas all turn rock hard to stabilize that joint. And so none of the symptoms were hip pain. All the symptoms were like excruciating pain all over my body. And so... Um, is in the height of the opioid crisis in America, and I'm assuming around the world. And no one would really take me seriously. I have long hair and tattoos and look a little bit younger than I am. And so they thought I was all pain, pain pill seeking. And so I um, was put on medication that was just totally inappropriate. Um, none of the medication was going to put that muscle back on my bone. And so I was on this really fine line of, of muscle relaxers and all kinds of conflicting medications from four different doctors. And to be honest, there were just days I didn't know if I was going to wake up because I'd take the pills. I'm like, this doesn't feel right. Um, and I did. So I was in this constant state of stress before sleep taking this medicine. And then what compounded that, so that was happening you know, daily in the background. Like, this doesn't feel right. Uh, the medication, I'm in crazy pain. Um, in the background, I was in an avalanche in Colorado and it knocked out um, a meter in the cabin I was staying in. And I, it was maybe 200 square feet. It was basically a shack. And it was to the point of carbon monoxide where I think had I been in there or asleep for five more minutes, I probably would have had some serious brain damage or be dead. 
And so that shook me up. But then I was thinking, well, I have this medical problem and at the time is undiagnosed. And I was like, well, I've been through worse. I kind of shoved it aside. The second time outside of the pills again was that um, I got into a terrible car wreck and I was smashed up against a wall. So I went to the hospital for that. And then I was, that started to interfere with work because I was already going to physical therapy, trying to deal with this mystery pain. I'd already been in an avalanche and then I was in a car wreck. And so in all fairness to the company, it seemed like I really wasn't being very focused on work. But from my standpoint, I was doing everything possible just to hold it together. And then uh, the worst of the near-death experiences was I went through the surgery, uh, I guess, a year and a half ago. And I did it alone. They said it could be done alone, but it was a little bit risky. But I was like, you know, I can handle it. It turns out that I went septic and it was two days before Christmas and there was no backup plan to get me out of the apartment. And I had a dog and I knew that if I went to the hospital that they were not going to release me until they figured out what was going on. And the dog would just be alone and not being fed. And so I just slowly turned purple over the course of an evening. And so all that finally caught up with me, like processing all those chained events and yeah, it was a lot. It still is a lot to kind of think about, even though I've, I'm on the other side. Wow, that's that's really incredible. So, how did you get? I mean, this doesn't sound like it. It was too long ago, actually. No, it right? wasn't. Wow, what a journey! What uh, that's so that's quite incredible. Why do that you call is a lot to process. A lifelong musician with a paintbrush. It. Is it because you uh, because you started as a musician and you were painting later, or? Um, for another reason. Yeah, it's probably just a little bit in jest or just a little bit self-mocking. The the irony of the situation is that I've started playing piano when I was four, guitar when I was six, bass when I was seven. Um, and I started to learn how to multi-track record by the time I was 12. And by the time I was 13, I'd put out a 15-song record and started playing local bars. And then from 13 to 34, I've been in in all kinds of bands playing different instruments with very, very little traction. Tried really hard to promote it, did everything I could, and it just never took off. And then yet, you know, one painting drastically shut down the music side professionally and just launched this whole painting world. So when people ask me how long I've been an artist, it's really hard to... Um, wrap my head around, I guess, technically, if I've been creating and making things on the music side, it's been my entire life. If it's with a paintbrush and drawing, it's been a year and a half. And so I don't really know if I take those numbers and divide it by two or what to really call it. But that's the story. Well, I think you've been a creative since you started creating. That's the way I like to look at Uh, it as well. I know I know that. Yeah, I know that people like to kind of sometimes divide it into, you know, here and here. But I mean, that's why I try, I try and refer to creatives because I think it, it embraces all the, all the creativity that there is, right, in a, in a person. But having said that, it's still really fascinating that you paint the paintings that you do and you've only been doing that since around 2018 because I would never have guessed that because they looked so um, amazing. <laughs> Well, that, was, that was part of it. I wanted to make it look like I knew what I was doing. And it turns it out I just, I'm a quick study when I put my head down to it. It drives my girlfriend crazy. Um, when I put my mind to something, I get pretty obsessed and focused. It just needs to be the right thing. 
Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, well, it certainly uh, looks like you've been doing it a lot longer than that. So well, thank, thank you. For, you. No, thank you for sharing that. Uh, your that really fascinating uh, story, ongoing story, I, I would say. And as a side note, for anyone who's listening who wants to be an artist, I do not recommend my path. I recommend <laughs> art school. I recommend drawing. I don't recommend putting yourself through physical torture and mental torture and slight PTSD. That is not the way to go. And no cutting off your ears. I don't recommend cutting off your ears either. Oh yeah, like a very famous, like a famous Mango. painter that we can uh, we can call to mind. But I mean, Jason, having said that, I mean, it, I just think it's really fascinating. It's part of what makes us, uh, you know, as people and as artists, about our journeys. That's why I'm so interested in the journey that artists take to doing whatever it is they're doing today. Which you know may change, and you may do something else um, later. But whatever, and it it's all part of what makes up that story. And so when I well, I look at your art now, having known this backstory, I'm going to look at it with a slightly, di- I mean, it's, it's really beautiful. I'll still think that, but now we know a little bit more about how that even, how that came to be. So yeah. I'm, sh- I'm sure you yeah. didn't do all those things intentionally, but you wrote, <laughs> you, you, you came through them, right? Or you, you're coming through I them. I did. And so, I did, I've had friends who were fine artists along growing up. And so I've, I've known kind of the rules of the road about yeah. what is art and what's not art. And so. I am prolific, but I do kind of ask myself the fundamental questions that they would ask themselves, which is, you know, is this honest? Yeah. And for me, there's a second question and that goes back to Rachel Scott, the victim of Columbine. And that is, is this something that she would like? Yeah. And that's when I know to either I have a tendency to overpaint. So I'll stop, sit on it or, you know, keep going and fix things. It's usually in that moment of doubt where I just kind of black out and push forward. Ah. Great. And I'm sure people will take, take a lot of um, inspiration from that. So I think you may have mentioned this in your, in, in your story up to now, but I'm still going to ask it. So, and you can expand on it. What inspires your creativity and your, um, and in particular your, your paintings? So if you want to add to what you, you've said with that, please go ahead. Absolutely. There are, there are some things. So Prior to painting, I was in big advertising and I worked for a company in Boulder uh, called Maiden Movement. And I was very fortunate to work under the art director, Alex Bogusky and Dave Schiff, uh, who's a creative director. And they really instilled into me this idea of make something every day. And their mantra is make or die. And so this was years and years before the accident. And so it was always in my head, like every day, just make something like be creative and make something. And so that was distilled in me for a very, very long time. And then with the music thing, I've just always been inspired by literature and music. And so, you know, the prolific and where I get it from, the drive, it just is a combination of all those three things. Okay. Do you ever find... um so you paint everything, you make something, you paint something every day. Do you ever come to a situation where you feel you might not be able to paint something every day? And, and by that, I mean, you know, you're busy with other things and you have to make sure you do your, do something or create something every day, or does that always come first and you do that first? How does, how does that work? So the way it works is that the, the day job comes first. And then uh, I learned, because I started painting so small, these tiny little four by four watercolors. I started scaling up to wall size, but that process has made me a speed painter. 
And so what I will do is I will have four easels up at a time. I paint uh, in acrylic and watercolor. So if I'm doing acrylic, I'll have four easels and let layers dry and kind of rotate around. And so I'll do these massive series. Um, so as they're drying, I'm kind of creating, creating, creating. And by the end of the evening, I'll have four. Wow. And so then I'll post, I try to post one a day, but sometimes I get ahead of myself and I paint more than four a day Yeah. and I have no filter. I'm not really quite sure what people like and don't like. And so I just end up posting everything and kind of seeing spaghetti at the wall theory. So, yeah. So, you know, the job has to come first. I have to, you know, buy the supplies. A lot of people don't understand how much it costs just to buy a canvas and paint. So that has to fuel the fire and then just painting really, really fast and doing it in a series format keeps me going. If I ever feel a creative block, I've learned some reverse psychology about myself and that I'll, I'll feel like, oh gosh, there's this famous axiom that, you know, you need to know when to stop being too creative because you'll never know when the tank is almost empty and you'll never get it back. I think Jerry Seinfeld is uh, with that quote. And so I have that in the back of my mind, like, oh my gosh, what if I wake up and I've just exhausted myself? And so what I, was, what I say to myself is like, and I made the mistake of doing this, is I'll announce I'm going on a paint break. So if anyone's expecting a bunch of stuff, everything's fine. I'm just taking a break. That lasts about two hours. <laughs> <laughs> and then I get this crazy, like, because there's a restriction and maybe because people just want what they can't have, I don't really know. But the moment I say I'm going on vacation from painting is usually when about 30 paintings come out within two days. And so that is a trick that I've started to apply to myself if I, if I feel any rut, which I, I usually don't. And I also have a catalog of things that I want to paint. There's at least 10 to 15 things that I really want to get to, but I have not yet. And, you know, one of them is this winter scene of a close up, you know, deer and snow, which is going to be very little paint but a lot of composition and I've been wanting to paint that for a year. And so I haven't gotten to the point yet where I haven't had an idea where I was ready to do very minimal white animal work. So yeah. So I just keep a list. <laughs> that's no, that's really cool because um, I talk to a lot of creators and I have a lot of obviously creative, creative friends. And sometimes uh, this thing that comes up is, Oh, I'm in a rut or I'm not feeling very creative lately or you know, I haven't been posting for a while or I haven't been painting for a while or whatever it is. So I was very interested in how you do it because, you know, paint every day, it's, 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 a, it's a challenge in and of itself and it's a good discipline and it's a good practice, but not everybody can do it. So and I'm sure that people, you know, people listening may um, take some encouragement that you actually have a system and a, and a kind of process to to kind of <laughs> I don't know I, don't, I was going to say stop that block or prevent that block but that's not entirely true but the fact is that you've got something you know that um, kind of prepares for it almost yeah and I, I also I also recommend um, using prompts as well uh, when I first started out I sound like I've been doing this forever but um, when I started out uh, I decided I'm going to paint a visual representation of my favorite album and there's 12 songs on that album. And so that was like, that kept me going. I don't think I ever made it through all 12, but I think I got through three or four of some of my favorite albums. And you wouldn't know it was related to the song necessarily, but it just gave me something to work towards. And then also through my journey, there's this uh, global group event called Inktober. I'm not sure yes. if you've heard of it. Yes, I have. But um, for listeners who may uh, not, it's um, in October, one day 
each day you get a prompt and the word could be like cruel or happy or prickly and you're prompted to draw or paint or use ink in some format and use that incorporate that prompt and post it every day and that is designed to keep you motivated and then by the end of the month uh, most people notice that their skills have drastically improved because they're spending so much time that month uh, working on their craft yeah and it's it's like uh, and it's a lot. Yeah, <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, a lot of work. I go <laughs> but, heads down. <laughs> but it's uh, it really points to that uh, place that's where you where you place your energy, where you place your attention. That's where the energy goes, right? And everything is energy. So right, it's it. You, so your skills and everything Im- improves almost without you realizing it because you're so focused in that particular area, right? That's mm-hmm. fantastic. Thank you for sharing that. So yeah. people listening see what uh, you can do and look out for uh, Inktober because what do we know? We're, we're August now. So that'll be coming up, right? Yeah. Get yeah, your supplies dude. now because art stores run out and people get really, really stressed. So I've already got, I've already got all the supplies I need. I think I was staying up a little bit late last night trying to think if I really had everything because the last thing I found out last year was you don't want to run out of ink and then go to the art store and see that they're really. just out of pens. Oh, wow. I didn't <laughs> yeah. even know that was a so thing. It's a big, it's a bigger deal than I had thought. I stumbled across it. I didn't know it was an international phenomenon. So Wow. Okay. Good, yeah. <laughs> good point there. Thank you for making that point. Okay. Yeah. Let's, let's move on. Sure. So what inspires you to keep growing creatively, Jason? How do you remain motivated and inspired? Sure. So I think like a lot of artists, I'm my own harshest critic. So I have a personality type where if I want to be really good at something and I feel like I'm not, I just never stop. And so that's just really, you know, the way I just keep going. It's like I'm never quite satisfied. I think out of the hundreds of paintings I've done, I'm in love with about four. (laughs) (laughs) My goal is to be in love with them all at some point in my life. You got a long way to go then. If out of the hundreds you've only done, you're only in love with four. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Okay. All right. And so, so, so then how do you, how do you stay motivated? Is there any particular way you do it? So yeah, the motivation is, you know, I finish a piece and I look at it and I say, this is garbage. <laughs> oh, great. And the next day I say, I got to fix this. I got to, I got to make something to prove myself here. Well, that's kind of like I got a, a crazy drive. <laughs> And that's how I got into this whole climbing accident. I, I was pushing myself just a little too much. Right, right, <laughs> it's right. A, it's a pattern across everything. Right. But you survived and now you're, you're putting that in a different area. So <laughs> I'm a totally different person, but still have that part of me. Still have that part. Oh, yeah. That, that's for really better, cool. For worse. That's cool. Well, that, that's who you are, right? That, it is. That's who you yeah, are. That's the, at the essence. Yeah. Okay. So can you share a little bit about how your art has impacted your life and the life of others sure yeah so um it was really surreal on my birthday i i uh, went to the mountains in colorado and was kind of starting to take painting a little bit more seriously right after that columbine piece was out and um on my birthday uh a girl in middle school reached out and sent me a picture of her version of the painting I painted. And I realized that I was being studied in a high school art class. And that really was 
less of a compliment to me, but more getting back to this Rachel Scott, the Columbine victim. Like her whole initiative was to just grow awareness about being kind and loving. And so my whole art statement was about that. And so through this, you know, weird events, I was passing along her message. And that was really, really cool because she wrote up her little art statement too. And um, she made a point to talk about, you know, violence and school bullying and these kind of issues. And so for me to be some conduit to spread that message was really, really meaningful. It's probably for anyone buying me a birthday gift, it's going to be really hard to um, beat that one because that came randomly and really touched my heart. Um, I realized that a few months later, some people were studying my artwork in college. And so I don't have a background in edu- you know, going to school for art per se. Uh, I was a designer, graphic design, but on the corporate side. And so I know that people out there were starting to pay attention as the Instagram followers grew, it became apparent that some people out there were really liking it. And I figured out, I guess a lot of people might be liking it. And then, yeah, I think, I think I started to have more impact on people than I really understood. I assumed that a lot of the numbers I was seeing were fake. And, and <laughs> I, think you might be, world. <laughs> I think you might be privy to this. And so I thought that like Russian bots or something were on my Instagram account and there's really just three people looking at it Yeah, I remember. and uh, they changed their algorithm in 2019. And so I was getting thousands and thousands of likes per painting and then it dropped to 50. Right. <laughs> and then I was like, well, you know, this is kind of starting to take over my life and I don't think anyone's really listening. So I think maybe I'm just going to like not quit, but maybe take a real pause on this because I thought, you know, I remember when you said that. <laughs> you yes. Shocked, yes. And so I, and I also didn't realize that there are a lot of people that see my work daily, but don't hit the like button. Exactly. So I, wasn't, I wasn't aware of that phenomenon either. So I have like my closest friends and family, they never hit the like button. And so I wonder to myself, like how many other people like see it, like it, but don't hit the button. I am I didn't really factor that in from my avenue. <laughs> From my advertising background, I'm very numbers centric. So, you know, I, that's how I gauge the quality of my work and if I should keep doing it. So when it plummeted, I posted a thing saying, you know, I'm taking a break. I use a, a hashtag, which is really common among artists, which is um, support living artists, which was in my mind saying for all the artists that are keep going, like, do it. Like, you know, it's this whole famous thing that your art's worth more money if you pass away. And so I was saying to them, like, I'm still with you. I'm still on the team. I'm just taking a break. I just gotten a new job and I really just needed to focus, not be distracted. That unfortunately got taken the, the wrong completely way. wrong way. <laughs> I had followers in different continents following friends I had tagged along the way, calling me four hours later at 5 a.m. Right? wondering if I was okay. And I was like, I couldn't be better. I'm starting a new job. <laughs> <laughs> um, and I, I still see that hashtag around and I cringe cause I see now it, how that can be taken really, really, really oh, the yeah. wrong way. Um, I remember, I remember <laughs> when it's so funny hearing you say this. Cause I remember when you, cause you're absolutely right. There are a lot of people who just look at their favorite artists and so on. And for some, for whatever reason, don't hit the light tag. I don't know. And you don't know. No one needs to. It's just, I don't think most 
people come from an advertising background where they just measure everything. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but the world of social media, uh, it, it has its sort of quirks, uh, really, in this case as well. And some people say, oh, they just, they just look at it. And I remember when that thing came, I thought, Oh my god! I hope it's all right. Oh, maybe I should yeah, invite yeah, stuff more yeah. often because things, things are going so great. I didn't need to paint because oh. if, if you retrace the story, I was painting because I was so stressed out. I got to a point where I was less stressed out and going career forward. Oh, it's so um, funny because I think that hashtag had been not on there. Maybe not have been so ominous. Um, I tend yeah. to have a dramatic life. I don't try to be a dramatic person. Um, but that's when the international phone calls started coming into friends to, who actually had my number. That's when I realized that there were way more people paying attention than I had thought. Oh, and, yes. And so I kept painting that that paint break lasted exactly zero hours. Like you said, bef- like you said before, <laughs> taking a break. I think if I could trace it back, there's probably like the next weekend was a, a lot. <laughs> it's so funny. I know I'm laughing. I mean, so it's not really funny. I apologize to anyone that affected. Um, I have a lot of things going on, but depression, thankfully, is not one of them. I'm a heads down type of person. Um, I do sympathize with those that have depression and it's very serious. It's just not a factor for me. I have uh, anxiety and a little bit of PTSD from the near death stuff. Oh, well, good. To, <laughs> so good all's to- well. All's well. Good to know that all's yeah. well. And as I say, I remember, I remember that. And to that to that point it's funny on social media you think one thing but it was it's the complete it can be the complete opposite because people are only getting like one side of the story and they're filtering it through their own lenses and their own understanding so you never see all three dimensions of it so yeah that came across as oh my god something must have happened he's stopping (laughs) (laughs) in my mind going to the advertising background (laughs) if it were to be as dramatic as it came out it would have been over the top <laughs> it would have been like this whole thing, you know, because like my advertising days were really based in like publicity stunts. And so the way I did it, it was like a black and white video. I knew from the metrics that no, most people don't watch videos if it's not of art on my account. If it's black and white, it gets even less. And if I write a bunch of words, it's even less. And so in my mind, I thought maybe one or two people might read it. And that is <laughs> that accidentally went viral as well. Yeah. Oh yeah, that the was, response went viral as well as the yes, first thing. Yeah. I remember. That I remember was the it second all. viral event. <laughs> <laughs> this is the this is like the almost hearing like the behind the scenes. So this is what really went down, folks. Yeah, but, I was just trying uh, to get some sleep. <laughs> and I tried to make well, it the most boring thing ever. I used all the data, but then I forgot the basic rule of advertising is that guerrilla advertising is always what you least expect. Exactly. So if you see a bunch of paintings and all of a sudden you see a black and white guitar video. You might pay more attention to that. And I forgot what I've been doing my entire life, which is advertising. The golden rule is disruptive marketing. Don't you think, though, that art is slightly different from that? I mean, maybe it is, maybe it isn't. But at least from your viewers, they're just looking at us as as their favorite artist or they love your work. And all of a sudden, it just seemed your work wasn't going to be appearing anymore. Or worse, something had happened to you that to cause that thing to happen so that's why it started I definitely know in hindsight or you know? very quickly the hindsight took about four hours um but it was 2020 people in england and different time zones started uh reaching out um but again i thought i was just making a statement to a bunch of russian bots and that maybe one day someone would stumble across my account and have context of what happened and now you know differently. it was kind of like a message in a bottle i didn't think anyone i thought i was on an island uh. <laughs> 
No way, no way. <laughs> <laughs> now you know differently. So now I know yeah. better. Now I'm, I thought that was really I'm great. <laughs> yeah, and I think it's really good, at, like sharing this. Now, anybody who's listening to this, hopefully, people will listen to this will think, "Oh, all right, so that's so that's what's happened because it's that's uh, what's it's happened. Everything surreal. is going great. Yeah, <laughs> okay, everything. You can stand down, everybody. Everything's going great. All right. So, uh, thank you for sharing that. That's a good <laughs> yeah. share about impacting it's good the to life laugh of about others. Because uh, I think some people were really upset tonight, and I was just tired because I didn't get any sleep because everyone was talking. <laughs> <laughs> this is the lesson from this: is think before you post certain things, things. yeah maybe maybe instagram changes <laughs> on social media maybe. anyway social <laughs> yeah. media has a way of kind of getting being this out of control beast if you don't uh if you're not careful oh yeah but, yeah the law of unintended consequences maybe <laughs> yeah well i have no intention of stopping and if i do it won't be um depressing <laughs> yeah. it'll be a huge public event it'll be a spectacle so <laughs> it'll be, it'll be enjoyable all right it'll be a celebration all right. Well, thank you for sharing that. And it was yeah. it was actually more interesting because I actually remember that exact moment then, and I saw this thing, and I think I actually sent a message. I think you did, and I was I was I was uh, humbled and horrified, and very confused. And I think you might have been one of the people that never liked anything. And I was like, wait, <laughs> no, what? I did. I did, but I just didn't do every single one because, you know, I like them all. You know, I like them all. And I, I do, I go through a lot of my um, feed and I like, you know, I, I make sure I like some of them and maybe I don't get to liking all of them. But when I saw the thing, I actually, I actually sent a message. I don't send messages to everybody. I do that even less than I do liking. And, uh, <laughs> I remember your note back. I'll have to go back and look at it. You did sound oh, a bit confused. Confused. I was probably sleep deprived and just like the fourth time I'd had a like, <laughs> message like number one person for a name. <laughs> I'm not my own good uh, best PR person. <laughs> but yeah, you did send the message. In all fairness, I make so much work; it's impossible for anyone to keep up, and I'm almost I am self conscious of overproducing. So no, the expectation that everyone's hitting that like button is is not what I'm going after. It was just the um, yeah. I think. They throttled it to now like 8% of my followers actually see my work, which is unfortunate. Well, that's to do with the algorithms, though. Yeah. And, and, yeah, and just, uh, they, they, yeah. the, the, the feeds are now stuffed with ads and so on. And so, yeah, so yeah. unfortunately, our followers don't see, uh, don't see as much of the, the, the work as we would hope. But, uh, but they are seeing some of them, I think, find ways and they do see most of it if they, you know, if they're determined to, they do. So yeah, unfortunately exactly. we can't, we can't control the uh, fickleness of Facebooks and Instagram. No, you can't. You just have to... So, you know, all right. <laughs> all right. So let's go on. To... So that's my take on social media. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to ask you more about that later on, but anyway, that's sure. first the social media take one, the way not to do it. The way, okay. the way not to do it. The yeah. way not to do it if you don't want the consequence. Or do it. I mean, it actually was a huge publicity stunt. It's unfortunately is not what I represent and my whole mission is to be uplifting and and remembrance of this tragedy (laughs) (laughs) I I, I don't paint a lot of dark morose things usually no no you're listening to Nikki Jameson Art Talks with my guest Jason Wagner from Golden, Colorado follow the podcast in Apple Podcasts Spotify or wherever you usually stream let's get back to the interview Um, your two biggest challenges and how would you say you you meet them? Sure. So my big, these are going to be just really process specific. Um, okay. We've gone over the how I keep the creative uh, train going. 
The two challenges are supplies. Um, I run out of surfaces, so I have plenty of paint, but I am constantly running out of paper and canvas, and I've begun painting over things, which is starting to drive people crazy because they ask if it's for sale or if they want it for free or yada, yada, yada. And I'm like, yeah, I painted over that. And they're like, that's my favorite painting. And I'm like, well, when you're on painting 500 and each canvas costs $50, you know, we're looking at a hefty cost. So I had, I'm constantly on the lookout for sales and finding any material I can to paint on. I did a series on cardboard once, which actually people really liked. I don't think they actually thought it was cardboard, but it was. And then I, I, that did so well, I actually took it to large acrylic canvas. And so I just started painting on some of my most popular work has been on cardboard or on envelopes for insurance letters. I'm just, it's on what? all kinds of surfaces. Envelopes for insurance. I have to crop insurance. it very carefully and I could frame wow. it where you can't tell. Well, that's imaginative. Yeah. I'll say that. Wow. Yeah. So uh, surfaces is my one, one challenge. And the second one is the cleaning process. So in Colorado, I live in a, I was in the city of Denver. And after my accident, I needed to get away from the hustle and bustle. I was in a really popular area, town. So now I'm um, just in between Boulder and Denver in a town called Golden. Um, They make uh, Coors beer, if anyone in America knows. And I'm on the side of a mountain. About, I think I looked it up recently. I think I'm around 6,000 feet elevation. Um, I can't convert it to meters, unfortunately. I'm, I'm too American for that. But I'm one of the last um, homes before you can't zone on the mountain. So I'm pretty secluded and high up, which means that acrylic paint dries within 30 seconds. So my challenge is I turn my studio into a rainforest. Um, I have three humidifiers going on constantly. So it's just very, very, very humid. And that exhausts me because I'm just constantly in heat. And so the challenge then is the cleanup phase to not ruin my brushes. And I go through a lot of brushes when doing four pieces at once. So if I'm lucky enough to have the surfaces and I go through all the heat, then the second challenge is the hour of cleanup, which is just dreadful. My only hope to be successful is to have an assistant, not to be famous. Ah, not to be famous. Not oh, to be yeah. famous. I just want I someone see. to help clean. I see. <laughs> <laughs> listen to every. Listen now. Everybody's going to rush and get your paintings because, uh, <laughs> and then you become famous. So again, what you didn't want would probably happen. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> That's how it's been going. Oh yeah, but that's uh, that's that's really interesting. Who would have who would have guessed? Nobody, yeah. I wouldn't have guessed that. Wow. Okay. Right. So, Jason, where can people find out more about you and your work, and how can people get in touch with you? Sure. So, I'm on Instagram, like we talked about. It's Jason underscore Wagner underscore Art. My website is jasonwagner.art. And I respond to um, almost any comment or any direct message. I learned how to do a lot of the work that I do through um, people in the community. I'd ask a question and they'd respond back with techniques. For the most part, um, I do the same. So if you ever have any questions, you can DM me or just on the post ask me, you know, what paint did I use? What was the process? There's only a few little secrets that I have. And to be honest, I don't share them because they're a little bit dangerous. So, uh, <laughs> All right, I, I will through. ask you what they are, Max. <laughs> I don't this even want to get into it. I think it's a fire hazard. 
<laughs> it involves a gas mask and it's a fire hazard, so I just don't get into how I do those. Okay, okay. I don't think it's safe. <laughs> but I love to chat. I believe in social media being actually social, so I, I do respond. Yeah, I noticed that you do respond to, uh, to, to your comments and so on, which is really, really good, which is uh, really nice. Yeah. All right. So and uh, Jay, and um, I will have um, Jason's links in the show notes to this show, everybody. So if you aren't already familiar with his work and his sites, you can pop over and have a look and uh, see his wonderful work. Very very intriguing work, Jason. Thank you. <laughs> You're welcome. Okay, so Jason, what's your vision for yourself? your art and your creative life and uh, part two of that is where do you feel you are on that journey sure so the vision i've been dialing it in um i've experimented with all kinds of different styles and looks and feels and i think i finally and what i've heard from some other mentors is to kind of be known for one kind of look and feel and so i'm trying to narrow it down to at least three different styles i think one's going to be just not in the cards for me because it's just too much going on in my head and so right now, the vision is I'm working on a series called Ampersand. And it's very drastic from what I was doing last year. Last year was a lot of bright, bright purples and bright red. This series is a lot of muted uh, pinks and a lot of white. Um, and so that's kind of where I see 2019 into 2020 is working on the Ampersand series. It might turn into just my thing. Um, I'm on the fifth one now. Um, the name ampersand isn't incredibly artsy or clever. It really just is, you know, means and. And so for me, it's like I did this and then it's like, and now what? And so right now, that's my and now what? I didn't really even know what to call it other than I'm trying to figure out the ampersand. And so that's, that's where 2020 is going to be focused outside of Inktober. I also do have some thoughts on doing a children's book with my illustration work for whatever re reason people like my weird little drawings cool. as well <laughs> as well they're as really the painting. cool what Thank do you, you mean yeah. what do you mean for some reason they're really well, cool it's, it's very interesting some people hate the paintings but love the drawings and vice versa and yeah so i think it's good that you've got the you've got you know like more than one thing that you can turn your hand to right as far as you know your creative well more than your creative creative stuff but you know, with your art, you know, there's the illustration and there's paintings, you know, would yeah, you say? Yeah, I, th I think the feedback that I got from another art artist's mentor me was like, if you have a booth at an art fair, you know, you want to be like, oh, that's the guy that does that style. I want to go to his booth where up until that conversation, my, it would just been a hodgepodge. It wouldn't, you wouldn't really know what I was known for or if I'm known at all or if you'd even like it because everything was different. And so it's kind of a blessing and a curse. So I'm trying to, well, so this is going to be the thing. I'm going to try to dial it in and, and I guarantee you it's just going to explode and not work. Yeah, that's usually happens. <laughs> so that's the direction. It doesn't mean it's a promise. Right, right. And you know what? It's all part of exploration, right? You just yeah, explore so it, see what works. Exactly. And I'm constantly inspired by other artists and um, always curious to see how they did it. And if I could riff on it, I can never replicate it. And it turns out being something totally different by the end. But yeah. Right. And so you feel you, what part of the journey do you feel you're at then? Do you feel you're well into that? Or I know you talked about the ampersand and your child, you know, the thoughts about the children's book. Are you, Yeah. or you don't really set any 
you know, there's, you, you, do you look at it like that or do you just sort of just, just do it? You know? No, it's been premeditated uh, for right. sure. Um, it's been something that I've really sat and thought about, about, you know, what, what is this all? I've done all this exploration. Like what, what, what What's do I next? want to be stick out? Yeah. And so that we're, we're starting that out. So that's, that's on its way. And the children's book is going to come down to funding. I'm debating Kickstarter or something. The reality is, and I talked to another friend on Instagram. Her name is Bree. Um, for I give her a shout out. She's been one of my biggest supporters and really helped me learn how to how to draw. Her account is Dread Pirate Bree on Instagram, and she too will answer almost any of your questions. And I don't want to overload her with anything, but she has been really helping me try to figure out how to go about doing the illustration for the book. And I did not realize the amount of time and money and materials. To me, it sounded like, oh, 10 drawings. And that's just really not how it goes. And so I've got a reality check. And so I'm starting to put in, in some time blocks and processes to hopefully get that going. I have the story. I have most of the copy. It's just the art that's waiting. Wonderful. That sounds good. And a great big shout out to Bree as well. I yes, love it when uh, artists, we also, like, when artists support each other. And, oh, yeah. uh, you know, it's, uh, it's, a, it's a really big thing we should we should be doing that and i love how um you know she's sharing how to do certain things and uh you know mentoring you as you said in that in that way excellent excellent all right so thank you for sharing that uh jason and so next one okay what's your take on social media and and i my question here is if you use it how has it helped you reaching your artistic goals but i know you do use it you have used it and you do use it so how is it what's your take from the point of view as what would you advise other artists and creatives and then how has it helped you reach your artistic goals? Sure. So I think it's regardless of the platform, I think it's critical um, for self-motivation and for exposure. So um, I think people, artists tend to worry that their work is not good enough and then they get in this rut. But I think if you get in the habit of just, coming to terms with maybe you don't think it's great. Maybe someone else will just use it, just post it. Spoke to some artists that have been blocked for, you know, a year or so. And it's just from that fear that, you know, their work is not, you know, up to par. I take a look at it and I'm like, this is, this is great. And it's like, how many of these do you have? And, you know, we start talking. I'm like, you need to be posting this. Like, why not? You know, people post pictures of, you know what they're eating for breakfast why not post a drawing that might not be perfect right so i encourage people to just get the ball rolling i think it'll be some people will be surprised if they're not the amount of the community is so gracious and very supportive even on the things that aren't perfect i've only had one troll (laughs) in the last year and a half and so i kind of take that as a compliment if i'm at the level where people are trolling me (laughs) But with that, I would say just block those people. It's not true. Um, people just have different agendas and just be, just be nice. There's enough problems with the world. Just really be nice on social media and just nice in general. I, I agree. I agree with that. There's, there's enough bad. Yeah. We don't need to, we don't need to add to it. They tell me about this, um, particular, this particular aspect of people being too scared to post on social media. And, um, like I want to say that, you know, just, just do it. And 
look to yourself as your um, I don't know, muse is not the word, and I know I don't want to say I know we're all our own worst critics, but um, in my own case, I try and compare myself with myself, like two years ago, this year, next year, rather than seeing, okay, well, if you don't like this, I'm gonna I'm gonna die, you know. Right, right. <laughs> if right. I post this picture and I only get two likes, the world as I know it's coming to an end. I'm never gonna post again, kind of thing. Which is like, no, no, no. Well, Who my cares? advice, my advice is to get into my mindset where it's all my paintings are terrible and I'm just going to post them post regardless. Them anyway. <laughs> I've already accepted the part that it's bad <laughs> and I've already accepted the part that I'm just going to put it out there. So just put it out there, you know, otherwise, uh, yeah, go. On. Yeah. The worst thing you can do is not have exposure. And if you're not, you know, posting actively, social media is by far the best way to find artists and artists are being found. You, it's not the quality of work that's getting in your way. It's the lack of, of posting. I'm sure people are out there creating, but the posting is not happening. And that's, you are your uh, biggest enemy for exposure there. Yeah, absolutely. And people love to see work in progresses too. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, You made a point about, uh, you know, if you think something's awful, not great, and then somebody might like it. I mean, I'm, I remember when I'm posting up some of mine, I'm thinking, oh, I'm not sure whether this worked and it's not really my favorite. But anyway, I, I spent this too much time on it. I'm going to post it. And lo and behold, it's like, I'm thinking, really? Wow. Oh, okay. And then I got to go on to the next one. I can't spend too much time thinking yeah, about it. Exactly. Because the last thing I want to do is just become locked in, you know, I've got to feel, follow my own creative expression, but, you know, not be too swayed by, oh, well, people love this. Great. You know, but I've got to keep up doing my thing. So. Yes. And I love what you're posting too. I'm oh, enjoying thank you. It. Thank yeah. you very much. Thank you. Okay, so there are some tips on uh, social media, and uh, you do recommend it to people. So, people, if you're listening to this, um, post your work, you know, create your work, but it's not enough just to create it. You've got to put it out there, and uh, it's a good discipline, right? It's a really, it's a really helpful discipline to, to just put your work there. Yeah, and another little trick, too, for anyone that's struggling to get content out there is that, you know, with the cell phone, no one knows if what you're posting is six feet by six feet or six inches by six inches. And so what I've learned is those little paintings that I do, the little studies that I post, mm. some people would like to purchase them and I tell them the size and they're like, oh, I'm like, but for a commission, I can do it as big as you want. There and you so go. It's also, if you're looking for a revenue stream in your block, just go smaller, go to a different medium. That's just more manageable and more time efficient. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. All right. So thank you for that. Do you have any tips, Jason, for artists, creatives who'd like to do what you're doing in their creative life or who may want to become more creative? Maybe, maybe they blocked, maybe they're blocked. Maybe they think, you know, they have some creative ability, but they're not really using it. Or maybe they think, okay, they're working. Like I've got a day job. You've got a day, day, day job. And they, they, they don't know how to, to bring two together. What tips or, recommendations have you got for people like that sure so um for the beginners i um i'm not sponsored i don't get any money but i do recommend art snacks you're just getting started because they give you everything you need to be within the same palette so a lot of artists starting out struggle with using colors that just turn into a mud or they just don't go um they kind of lock you in and get you started and i think kind of more important as important as the supplies you get, the community with the hashtags, you'll see what other artists have done with the same tools. 
And you can reach out to them and say, oh, how do you do this? And the community is so great. And they can help you get the ball rolling and learning how to work in the style that you want to if you're just starting out and you don't know how to go to the art store. This kind of solves that problem for you. If you're, you know, mid emerging or, you know, late in your career and, you know, wondering how to keep it going. It's just having four or five big ideas and then breaking them down. So, you know, I have this beautiful idea of this deer and snow and all this minimalism. So I'm going to start out small on watercolor and I'll start out, you know, I'll start scaling up. And I think once you do like kind of the masters used to do paint the same painting over and over and over again, you'll start to unlock that inhibition. And changing mediums is always a great idea. I I switch between um, drawing, watercolor, acrylic, pastel. The only thing I don't do is um, oil. And that's probably going to change whenever I decide to finally do portrait work seriously. Um, So if I'm ever slightly blocked, I just get out the watercolors and then lo and behold, there's a whole new thing happening. Wow. Well, some great, great tips there, actually, just changing it up and changing it up within the, within the sort of creative space, right? Yeah, um, it's not that you're not creative. It's maybe just the mm. medium's not talking to you. Yeah, yeah. So you're, interest, you're doing portraits then, I hear. I'm con- <laughs> no, I'm considering portraits. I think that's going to be... That would be cool. No, no, I'm not doing portraits. <laughs> <laughs> she says I just scribbled and down here, portraits. Okay, and, here's the, and here's the reason. <laughs> I have I have no surfaces but a ton of acrylic paint. The idea of getting a ton of oil paint oh, and all those yeah. mediums and that that costs at the expense of surfaces is just not going to happen. Don't go half of right now. And also part of my story and journey is that, you know, I was locked up um from the surgery and and the, yeah. the accident that I just wasn't focused on people. I was more looking inward. And so the idea of working all day and then focusing more on people, I like to come home and just shut down TV and people and get into more of the existential. Yeah. Yeah. And so I'm just not that interested in the yeah. oil portrait. I, but the the irony is my favorite paintings are that. Really? So Yeah. Oh. So I like the Renaissance paintings or yeah. like contemporary realism. Yeah. Um, but when I try to do it, I just, it just doesn't, doesn't look right. One and two, it takes forever to not look right. And I just, and I don't enjoy any of it. (laughs) The whole process (laughs) is just, is not enjoyable. Now this might change within 30 minutes. Never say never, right? Especially (laughs) especially with Jason. Never say never. No, but you make a, you make some really good points that you've got to go with what actually speaks to you and you know, where you feel it, you feel this thing. And unless, unless of course you want to, you know, put loads and loads of time and energy trying to perfect this, you know, what's, what's the point, you know, if it's going to be, it's, it's going to be. So, um, yeah. All right. No portraits for now. <laughs> so that that that's so great though. Thank you so much for sharing that. So Jason, any last thoughts you'd like to share? Coming to the end of the interview now, this fantastic interview. What last thoughts do you have to share? Um, so my last thoughts are kind of less to do with like fine art itself, but more to do with just creativity. And I think the the nicer and kinder that you are to yourself, then you can kind of start being kinder to strangers. You'll find that you're inspired by a whole lot more in life that you might have been missing. And so I guess like it's more of the hippy dippy message of, you know, just be be good to each other. 
that's going to make you a better artist and it's definitely going to make you a better person. Totally agree with that. Way more than taking classes. Yeah, I totally agree with that, Jason. I think that's, that is really profound and great advice. Yeah. All right. Well, Jason, thank you. I'd really like to thank you so much for uh, this interview. This has really been a blast. I've so enjoyed learning about your, your story, your background. And now I know, now I understand a little bit more about paintings you're doing and I think because you there's a there's a limited amount of what you can actually um, learn I mean you see the paintings you see the art and everything and you can you know surmise a little bit about about the artist like we always try and do but this is really this is really kind of really built that out and it's so it's such fun learning about that so thank you so much for sharing thanks for having me and thanks for listening you're very welcome so everybody I'm gonna say thank you so much for listening thank you to our guest Jason for um, sharing his story and his journey and his amazing art and you can find Jason on um, Instagram and the notes the the links will be in the show notes so make sure you have a look at those and uh, go have a just go have a look at his work it's just really phenomenal all right, everybody, thanks very much. All right, thank, thank you, you so much. Thank you, Jason. And tune in next time for another episode, everyone, of Nikki Jameson Art Talks. Take care of yourselves. Bye for now. Bye. Bye for now. You've been listening to Nikki Jameson Art Talks with my guest, artist Jason Wagner from Golden, Colorado. Thanks for listening. You can find me, Nikki Jameson, at Nikki Jameson Art, nikkijameson.com and Nikki J on Instagram. Thanks again for listening. Take care. See you next time.